this week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Welcome to Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living as we look into the Word of God today. heard those words at some point in his or her life with frustration and misunderstanding. It wasn't until we become parents that we begin to understand the meaning of those words. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 down to about verse 13, deals with the subject of God's discipline in the lives of His children. The urging of the writer of Hebrews already in Hebrews chapter 12 to the believer has been continue in the faith. Don't give up. Don't go back. Don't go back to your old ways. Just keep living for the Lord. And in verse 3, the writer of Hebrews says, Consider Christ. Think about His suffering. Think about how He didn't give up. Aren't you glad somebody say amen that Jesus didn't quit? He stayed true to His task. The Hebrews were starting to suffer for their faith in Christ. But they were reminded here that they're not the first to suffer. Jesus suffered and they needed to consider Him the next time they thought about throwing in the towel. In verse 4, the writer of Hebrews says, You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. In other words, they were being persecuted for their faith, but not to the point of shedding blood yet. They were still alive. The point the writer of Hebrews is trying to make here is that If some of them were already backsliding, if some of them were already quitting, and they hadn't even had to shed blood, just over minimal persecution, what are they going to do when they get to the real persecution? When some of them start dying to the faith. That's what the writer of Hebrews wants them to consider. There's an application in that for us this morning. You ever thought about how blessed you and I are to live in a place where there's not a lot of physical persecution? Oh, there's persecution around the world. There's just not a whole lot in Dallas, Georgia. But consider those words in verse 4. Underline them in your Bible. Those words, not yet. He said, you have not yet resisted unto blood. You see, there may come a time when you do resist persecution to the point of shedding your own blood. And if you're not faithful when you're not shedding blood, how faithful to God are you going to be when you start having to shed blood? Too many Christians have this fairy tale idea of the Christian life that it's all sweet roses and no thorns. Some of them quit and it hadn't even got hard yet. Hadn't got hard yet. You know, for a lot of us, God has so blessed us and been merciful to us that our life is fairly comfortable. Comfortable. And even in comforts, some people won't be faithful. You know, there are people today, and uh, even people in Haiti today, that are coming to church by the thousands, and being persecuted for their faith, sitting not on 
padded pews and carpeted air-conditioned buildings, but in uh, terrible, terrible conditions. Yet they remain faithful. What are believers going to do when the pressure gets turned up? Comfortable believers. When they really uh, have to pay something for their faith. Jeremiah, uh, the prophet of old, said in Jeremiah chapter 12, talking to the people, he said, if you've run with footmen and they have wearied thee, how canst thou contend with horses? He says, and if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? He's saying, if you can't be faithful when everything's going right, how are you going to be faithful when everything's going wrong? And so for that reason, to make us better Christians, God brings discipline into our lives. Now when we think about discipline, we think of uh, punitive discipline, punishment. We associate discipline with some sort of correction for doing something wrong. And while that's true in a lot of cases, that's not always the reason for God's discipline. You see, there's another aspect of divine discipline, one that we leave out. Sometimes parents, when they discipline, they leave this out. And when you leave this part of discipline out, you only halfway discipline. The part I'm talking about is teaching. Teaching. You see, God brings discipline in our lives, not just to correct us when we're wrong, not just a punishment when we got out of the way, but also to teach us. You see, God is making disciples out of us. And part of disciple-making is discipline. You see how that goes together? It's teaching us. Well, it's God trying to teach us. Very simply, very broadly, God's trying to teach you and I to stay away from sin, especially the sin of an unfaithful life. And the Hebrews here, being disciplined, they don't understand why. So the writer of Hebrews has to give them some explanation to their discipline to help them all understand it better. And this morning what I want to do from this passage of Scripture is to kind of help you understand God's discipline in the life of a Christian so that when it happens you'll submit to it and be better for it. The three simple thoughts this morning, beginning first of all with what I call the perspective of God's discipline. The perspective of God's discipline. A lot of these Hebrews here are suffering for their faith in Christ. Some of them suffering as a result of sin in their life. Some were suffering because they were living for Christ. But in, in their suffering, whatever the reason for it was, they lost their perspective. Because in their suffering, they apparently think, God doesn't care about me. God just doesn't love me. If He loved me, I wouldn't be suffering like I am. And that's what the writer of Hebrews has to help straighten their perspective out on. You see, nothing could be further from the truth. Here in verse 5, he reminds them that discipline and suffering are all part of God's plan for your life. People say, oh, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. It may be to beat the fire out of you. Suffering is part of God's plan. Look at Job. Look at Paul spending a great deal of the latter years of his life in prison. God uses suffering because he's making us into disciples. He's teaching us. They had forgotten that part of the Christian life. 
They've forgotten that. And he tells them in verse 5, he says, you've forgotten the exhortation. What exhortation? The exhortation found in Proverbs chapter 3. And he quotes it back for them. The writer of Hebrews is preaching out of Proverbs. Listen to what he says. Here's his text from Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him for whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. They had forgotten discipline is what God does to make us disciples. So when discipline came, they, they rebelled against it, not realizing it was from God. They're faint-hearted. They're ready to quit. In the midst of their suffering, they failed to remember suffering, discipline, is a part of God's plan. I want you to know today, Christian, that suffering and discipline and chastisement, th- those things are God's classroom. That's where God makes you a better Christian. You you see, we enjoy the bright, sunshiny days where nothing's going wrong, but you don't get much better on days like that for the glory of God. And if you lose the right perspective on suffering, if you fail to see that suffering is part of God's plan for your life, what will happen, and he'll talk about that later in Hebrews 12, is you'll get bitter. You'll get bitter at God. You'll throw in the towel. You'll say, oh, I can't do this anymore. God doesn't really care about me. If God cared about me, why would I have cancer? If God cared about me, why would I have lost my job? If God cared about me, why am I having trouble in my marriage? But he does care about you. He does love you. That's what he's reminding them of in verse 6. Look at it. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. God disciplines us because He loves us. How many of you had a kid that was growing up and they got their hand too close to a hot stove eye? What did you do? You disciplined them. Were you mad at them? No. Had they intentionally done anything wrong? Not really. Not really. They, They weren't trying to hurt themselves. They just didn't know any better. Yet, whether they did anything wrong or not by, by, their own, uh, by their own wish, you still enacted discipline, didn't you? You still corrected them. Now, why did you do that? You did that because you didn't want them to get hurt. You did that because you loved them. Ladies and gentlemen, God often disciplines us because He loves us and He wants to keep us from some greater pain that that sin you're about to get into is going to cause in your life. I don't think that God doesn't love you just because He disciplines us. Verse 7 reminds us that discipline is part of the Father's job. He, he says, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. And verse number 8, if you read down in verse number 8, it uses real strong language there to remind us that that if we don't have any discipline in our life, we don't belong to the Lord. We're illegitimate. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I've got a heavenly Father that loves me and lets me know how much He loves me by the discipline in my life. I'm glad I've got a God that when I get off track, He loves me enough to get me back on track. I'm glad I've got a God when I'm messing up my life, He loves me enough to keep me from messing up my life and destroying everything precious to me. 
Now, if you can sin today and get by with it, you're not doing good for yourself. Some people shrug around like, well, I can drink all I want and I can do all the dope I want and I can still come to church and nothing ever happens to me. You're in bigger trouble than the Christian that's doing those things because what you're giving evidence of is that you do not belong to the Lord at all. Why? Because the Lord chastens His children. Because we're His children, He does the job of a father. Now, Father, we don't, I don't correct your kids. You, you, you don't correct my kids. We correct our own kids. And so we have a Heavenly Father that corrects us because we're His children. And He's loving us and He's teaching us. Don't ever lose that perspective on God's discipline. Number two, we see the purpose of God's discipline. Uh, discipline's not fun. Somebody say amen. By the very nature of discipline, it's, it's painful. It's uh, unpleasant. You don't have to enjoy it. In fact, if you enjoy it, you're not in your right mind. <laughs> I mean, nobody in their right mind growing up said, Hallelujah, I'm getting a whooping. How many of you grew up saying, uh, saying Come on, Daddy, hit me one more time. I'm telling you what, if you thought like that, you got rooms for an upstairs unfurnished. No, nobody in their right mind enjoys discipline. But discipline does have its purpose, and you can be sure that when God brings discipline into your life, God's very much at work in your life. In verse number 9, the writer of Hebrews talks about how our earthly daddies corrected us. There was a purpose in it. He even says that we reverence them. Now, you might not have let them know you reverence them, but I've heard some of you talk about it years later, about how you're thankful for the correction of a parent in your life. You reverence them for their discipline in your life. And like a good earthly father, so does the heavenly father love us, and we reverence him because he chastens us. Uh, so what's the purpose? What's he doing it? Surely your earthly daddy had a purpose for, dis for discipline. Surely he did. Discipline's more than beating on a child. I don't endorse child abuse. That's not what we're talking about this morning. And a quick little side note about parenting. If you're disciplined, uh, disciplining your child simply for punitive reasons, you're missing half the purpose of discipline. Half the purpose of discipline. Don't, don't whip that child and uh, not tell them why you're whipping them. Uh, don't, don't take them and, and uh, you don't have to beat them up either. God gave them a padded area just specifically for discipline. And you wear that little padded area out and then sit them down and teach them why you did it so that they don't have to endure that pain again. That's what discipline. It, it, it's supposed to yield a result. What's the purpose of God's discipline? Look at the end of verse 10. He says He does it for our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. If you submit to God's discipline in your life, it's going to profit you. You're going to get something out of it. What, what are you going to get? It's going to steer you onto the path of holiness. Well, why do I want to be on the path of holiness? Well, let me tell you why. Because that's where the blessings are. That's where the blessing of God is. Sometimes getting to the blessing is hard. But God wants to bless you, so often He disciplines you so that He might bless you. I think about old Jacob. 
Jacob wanted the blessing so bad, he says, he wrestled with that angel and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you what? Bless me. So he blessed him real good and pulled his hip out of joint. And for the rest of his life, he walked in pain with a limp. Oh, he got the blessing, but he got the blessing by way of discipline. Discipline. Sometimes God's got to make us limp in order to bless us. That's the pain of chastening. You don't enjoy it, I don't enjoy it. The writer of Hebrews agrees. He apparently has been through some chastening himself. Look at what he says in verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. It's not fun. But God's getting us to the place of obedience through discipline so that He can bless us. How many of you love the old song, I need a blessing, Lord? Any of you love that old song? How many of you would say, I want a blessing, Lord? Anybody just lift your hand if you want a blessing from God. Well, did you know that by raising your hand and saying, I want a blessing, one of the ways God may have to... uh, Treat your life to bring a blessing into your life is by disciplining your life to get you obedient so that He can bless you. That's not fun. But He says in verse 11, Nevertheless, afterward, after the chastening, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. When God disciplines my life and your life, He's correcting errors in our life. He's doing it so that our life can yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You see, God's going to help you live right. God's going to help you stay right with God if you submit to His discipline. So what's the purpose of God's discipline? God's making you holy. God's trying to help you yield the fruit of righteousness. Well, what's the fruit of righteousness? Well, what's righteousness? Christ. Christ. He's trying to help Get Christ lived out in through your life. He's making you like Jesus. That's what discipline's for. I like one little word there in verse number 11. You might underline it. It is a little word afterward. Afterward. You know what that shows me? This one's not constant. He gives you a time to breathe. There is an afterward. There's an afterward. You see, chastening does not have to be continual in your life. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every moment of the day. Chastening should accomplish. It should accomplish something. I'd say to any parent in the room, if you're having to whip your kids every day, something about your discipline's not working. You understand? It should accomplish something. It should have an end game, an end goal, a purpose. God's discipline is not for nothing. He's not disciplining you because He doesn't like you or because He's trying to destroy you. No, ladies and gentlemen, He's transforming you. He's making you holy. He's making you like Christ. That's the purpose. We sing and say more and more about Jesus. What I know, sometimes He has to discipline us to teach us what Jesus is about. Uh, I want to be more like Jesus. Oh, sometimes we have to undergo discipline to be more like Jesus. That's the purpose. And number three, finally this morning, we see the prompting of God's discipline. The writer of Hebrews gives an instruction in verse number 12 and 13. 
God's discipline ought to prompt you to do some things. Look at verse 12. He says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Notice there in verse 12, he says, lift up the hands. The Greek word there, anortho, anortho, that probably doesn't mean a lot to you, but when he says anortho, it's a word that was used in olden days to describe lifting up the ruins of an old building. Renovating and straightening up a building that had gotten upside down. Setting it right side up. Any of y'all ever been to that place up there in and uh, Pigeon Forge, the wonder place where everything's upside down, you know? I've never been in that place. My life's normally upside down on its own. I, I don't want to pay for, for something like, an experience like that. But the word in ortho, the word uh, lift up, he says lift up the hands. What he's talking about here, much like a, a set of ruins would be lifted up or restored. When a building would collapse, they would lift it back up. That's what chastening is intended to do in your life. To set it back up on its right side, to lift it back up where it's fallen down. He's keeping your life from ruin. Just like some of your earthly parents kept your life from going down a bad path because they showed godly discipline in your life. He says in verse 13, make straight the path for your feet. God's discipline is meant to prompt you to get back on the straight and narrow. Why? Well, that's where you need to be walking. And he says something else there at the end of verse 13. He says, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. In other words, discipline is intended to prompt you to get back on the straight and narrow. And when you're on the straight and narrow, you help others to stay on the straight and narrow. He, he talks here about the lame being turned out of the way. What he's saying here is God disciplines you to keep you from ruining your life and to keep you from ruining other people's lives. He said, well, I live my own life. My life's my own business. When you belong to God, your life belongs to God and your life affects everybody else in the family of God and those who are not in the family of God. Now, I know we're not supposed to keep our eyes on each other, but that's just a, that's just a raw truth that people do watch each other's lives, whether we're supposed to or not. And I want to tell you what, you, you watch you watch what I'm telling you. you got a group of people you're sitting with right there. And y'all are kind of buddies here at church, and you sit in fellowship. But I've seen it happen more than once. One of you will stop coming to church. And pretty soon, the one sitting next to him will stop coming to church. And pretty soon, the one start over here next to him. One will get a bad attitude. And what happens, they, they don't get back on the straight path. What will happen? It'll start affecting everybody in their circle of influence. You'll get them off that path. So God disciplines you not only to get your life right, but to keep you from interfering and impeding the race that other people are running. Oh, listen, I don't want my life to be a hindrance to you. And God's going to make sure that my life doesn't hinder you. He's going to prompt me to get back on the right path by the way of discipline. When we were kids, our parents disciplined us to get us ready for adulthood. That's what they were doing. People say, I'm raising kids. I'm not raising kids. I'm raising adults. That's what I'm raising. That's the point. 
I, I, I want to turn them into mature adults, help them grow. Get them ready for adulthood. So we discipline to get our kids ready to be adults. The father disciplines his children to get us ready, not for adulthood, but for heaven. For heaven. God is at work shaping you through discipline, molding you into his image. Because he wants you to look like Christ and bear the fruit of Christ. You know, sometimes when a fruit tree is not bearing the kind of fruit it needs to be, you know what has to happen? Pruned. Has to be pruned. There's a beautiful illustration of this in John 15. Jesus talks about he's the vine, we're the branches. Who's the father? He's the vine dresser. He's the one taking care of the garden. And when he sees that there's no fruit being produced in your life, he'll come along and he'll begin to cut things and prune on you. You'll say, oh, God, that hurts. You cut this out of my life. That was discipline. Or, oh, God, that hurt. That was discipline. He's pruning things out of your life to stimulate growth again in your life. And amidst all the pain of the pruning, I want you to notice something. When the Heavenly Father is down by the branches, and he is pruning them. Watch what has to happen. This is so simple but profound. His hand is all over you. You see that? You are never closer to God than when he is disciplining you. So don't rebel against him. Submit to him. Yield to him. Why? Because he's, he's going to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness in your life. If he's chasing you today, it's because you're his responsibility. He's getting you ready for heaven. And I hope that's where you're headed today. If you've never been saved, you can trust Christ to be your Savior. He died on the cross for your sin. They buried him and he rose again that he might give you eternal life. Some people say today, oh, I, I, I would get saved, but I can't live the Christian life. I've got this going on in my life and this going on in my life, and I do this and this and this. That's wrong. I can't live the Christian life. I'll get saved when I live it. Oh, listen to me. You'll never get saved then because you won't be able to live it without Jesus. Well, how's Jesus going to help me live it? Oh, he's going to beat it out of you. <laughs> he's going to make sure you stick to the rules. He's going to make sure you're ready. As some boys this past week or two, and they started high school football fall camp. I smell that grass and feel a little cooler in the evening, and I know football time's around the corner. And some old boys got up this past month, beginning of the month, and they got up off their couch and out of their recliners and laid down the video control, video game control, and they got a rude awakening from some drill sergeant wannabe high school football coach that knew they wasn't ready for the first Friday night in September, but vowed to get them ready. You following me? Oh, well, I'm not ready for heaven. And you're not ready for heaven. But God, like the glorious coach, has vowed to get you ready. And he's going to get you ready. 
One of these days, you'll be presented at the marriage as a spotless bride. You say, I got spots all over me. Well, he's getting them out. Discipline. Discipline. He's going to help you. And he does it by discipline. I heard a story told about a little boy. A little boy was out with a little toy boat. And he had that little toy boat out in a pond. And he just floating that little boat along and put it out there in the water and pushed it. And he'd reach out there and grab it and he'd bring it back and he'd push it again and he'd watch it. And pretty soon, some wind came along and blew it out further than he could get to it. And it, it was impossible for him to reach it. But a man come by and saw that little boat out in the middle of the lake. And that little boy just trying to reach it, but he couldn't get it. He knew the little boy was going to hurt himself trying to get it. So the man walked over there. He said, what are you doing, son? He said, my boat's way out there and I can't get it. And the man said, I'll help you. And he reached down and he got a handful of rocks. And he started one at a time. He took another one. The little boy said, stop, you're going to sink my boat. He took another one. He said, stop, mister, you're going to sink my boat. He said, no, just watch, son. What the man was doing with those rocks is he was making ripples. And with every little ripple, that boat got pushed closer and closer and closer back to the shore. Sometimes a storm will come in your life and you'll think God's trying to sink your boat. No, he's not trying to sink you. Hey, he, could, he could sink you for good out here in a car wreck on the way home today. No, no, God's not trying to kill you. God's trying to get you closer to Him. used to be an old gospel song I heard when I was a kid. heard old country singers sing it. It says, Out on the perilous deep where the danger silently creeps and the storm so violently sweeping, you're drifting too far from the shore. Drifting too far from the shore, you're drifting too far from the shore. Come to Jesus today. Let Him show you the way. You're drifting too far from the shore. If you're drifting, God's going to put some ripples on your pond to get you back. Discipline. Things to get your attention. When God disciplines you, you need to submit to it. Surrender to it. Surrender. It hurts, preacher. It's going to hurt worse if you don't submit to it. Any of you, when you were growing up, I know this is not popular, but I've kind of been old-fashioned all my life, so I don't care if it's popular today or modern. Any of y'all grew up in a home where maybe you wasn't beat, but you got spanked real good when you did wrong, and you knew not to do wrong. But did you ever have a time when spanking came, you, you learn, watch this, you young folks, y'all you, you, watch this, you go, I'm going to teach you something here. I hope y'all aren't getting spankings anymore. All right, y'all teenagers. Mom or daddy would rear back to spank that backside. And watch this. Did you ever do that? Any of you ever do that? You know what happens when you do that? That's not going to hinder mom or dad from continuing. 
wailing. Now you're going to hurt in two places, there and there, because you didn't submit to the discipline. Sometimes when you see discipline coming, if you'll just submit to it and take it, learn from it, you don't have to keep it. There's that afterwards. You move on. Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the Way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may write Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.